I too say good evening, and I believe it's kind of, at this point, I'd say it's kind of good to be here. Uh, tonight, I'm going to, was directed a little bit on a message of, I was kind of amazed that Brother Jerry talked about falling away, but we shouldn't be amazed. The Word of God is true. Uh, tonight, I'm going to focus on being equipped for the times we live in. I don't know about you, and I don't know what you're thinking as you watch this, these last days unfold, and I don't know where you're at and all that, and I'm not prophesying anything tonight, but I want to tell you this. If you're waiting around for the American normal to come back, you're going to get lost in the shuffle. God is unfolding as he said he would. We have a front row seat of these days. We can watch it unfold. We can believe it. We can brush it off. But as Brother Jerry read tonight, you know, do you believe that God meant what he said to Jeremiah? Do you believe that he means what he says? Do you mean, he, he said, you're going to be cursed. You're going to be a reproach and if you don't listen. You know, the word of God is here. If, if, if the word of God that you hold in your hand tonight, the written word we have tonight, if this is not to be applied, it's just a history book. If I can't apply this to my life, it's of no value. It's just recorded history. But he has written it. It is written for us to apply it. And I'm going to read just a little bit more on, before we start into this, um, who this God is. And a, a little bit of a subtitle is, What will you hide behind when the wrath of God is poured out upon the earth? I hope you're not here. But at the same time, we read that the wrath of God is going to be poured out among all those who dwell on the earth. Okay, if you want to think about that, uh, and actually, uh, it depends on where you're hiding today. What are you hiding behind today? We have, we have a lot of opportunities to hide, be, hide something, and I made this little thing here, this little flimsy little thing we could hide behind. We're going to talk a little bit about that, what that can represent. And how often we try these things. You remember uh, way back in Genesis, it's the heart of man, it's the heart, the nature of man is to hide. We hide Adam. He knew that the, that the, the voice of the Lord is going to come walking through the garden at the cool of the day. He, he attempted to hide behind a tree. He attempted to take fig leaves to cover his shame. And, and man does the same thing today in so many ways. Brothers and sisters, uh, as we sit here tonight, the Lord our God doesn't just see you, he sees the very motives of your heart. He knows where you are. He knows what you're thinking. He knows what you'll be thinking tomorrow. And the list goes on and on. So um, in the book of Nahum, I'm just going to read a little bit about this God before we start into the message on chapter 1. The book of Nahum is three chapters long. It, it tells us uh, the condition of what actually happened to Nineveh after that that uh, uh, Jonah had talked to them and they repented supposedly, but years down the road it went south. And I'm just going to read the first six verses of the book of, Na uh, of the chapter 1. It says, The burden, burden of Nineveh, the book of the vision of Nahum, the Elkishite. God is jealous 
and the Lord revengeth, the Lord revengeth and is furious, the Lord will take vengeance on his adversaries and reserveth wrath for his enemies. The Lord is slow to anger and great in power and will not at all acquit the wicked. The Lord hath his way in the whirlwind and in the storm, and the clouds are the dust of his feet. He rebuketh the sea and maketh it dry and drieth up all the rivers. Bashan languisheth, and Carmel and the flower of Lebanon languisheth. The mountains quake at him, the hills melt, and the earth is burned at his presence, yea, the world and all that dwell therein. Who can stand before his indignation? Who can abide in his fierceness of his anger? His fury is poured out like fire, and the rocks are thrown down by him. Now when you read that and you meditate on those words, you talk about a furious God who will not acquit the wicked. Do we believe that? Do we believe that, and he says in Romans, vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. He is slow to anger. But the day will come when the wrath of God is poured out upon the wicked without mixture. And brothers and sisters, you don't want to be here when that happens. The church, if you if you are in the church today, you will not be when the wrath of God is poured out. And, and don't, don't glory in that. But there's an enduring until the end that we continue to in, in the truth of his word. Especially we as men, as leaders of the home, are you taking up the reins and teaching in your home the word of God? I, I'm convinced we see a lot of, we see a lot of falling away in our time. We see a lot of direction of men that we thought a few years back, 15 years ago, started out right on fire for God, only to see the next generation go out to nothing. What is this? I'm convinced, I'm convinced, brothers and sisters, it's all because the man of the home will not keep up in the word of God. He will not be that man. And I can tell you, we were, yesterday we was in Fort Wayne, we, uh, we had a, a, hot, a barbecue hamburgers and hot dogs for the south part, of, for south part of town on the intersection of Oxford and Hannah. Pretty rough part of town, but we fed probably, I don't know, I don't know how many we fed, doesn't matter, but uh, one thing I noticed, and this in, in the black and white culture, the men that came through there were literally destroyed. The men, the men were just like, I, I can't explain them. They were absolutely anything but a leader. Anything but what God designed them to be. Satan has utterly destroyed the man of society in general. Now, an amazing part of it is when some of the Latino men came through there, they were men. You could tell they led their families. They, they were working. They were, but, and I won't go there. I'm not here to talk about that, but God is out. Uh, Satan is out to destroy the man. When he gets him destroyed or makes him complacent or makes him think, well, you know, we'll just kind of ride along in the wave, uh, he's got the family. And if he gets the family, he's got the church. So, men, I challenge you, rise up and be men of God. Get into the word, dive and know what it says, and know how to respond in these evil days that we're living. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 1, just a little bit there to pick up a verse as we go on. 
Here we find an account that we're pretty, we've heard it a lot, uh, but I'm just going to read it again. Here's a, a time when Joseph, he was uh, betrothed, uh, the betrothal to Mary, and uh, Mary, and it's not all written here, but she came to him and, and told him that she's pregnant. Well, Joseph, in all that he is, his upright living, his upright living that she knew, he knew that Mary lived as well, was trying to process this. And, and his girl, his, uh, his, the woman that he was betrothed to told him, I am pregnant, but I am a virgin still, because I have conceived of the Holy Ghost. Now, uh, put yourself in Joseph's shoes to kind of grab a hold of this and actually believe it. Uh, Mary, when she, when she found this out, she broke out in song, but Joseph broke out in anxiety. What do I do with her? How do I handle this? How can I... Uh, so he goes to sleep that night with a, with a final thought in his mind, I'm going to put her away privately, which means divorce her, because a betrothal was the second step towards marriage. So when that betrothal happened, it actually takes a divorce to get out of it. So he said, I'm going to divorce her in a private way, perhaps in a, not make a public statement out of this, and so that uh, not to shame her and maybe even to save her life. But in that night, this angel of the Lord came to him, and this is what he said, uh, But while, verse 20, But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted God with us. i just like to, just at the onset of the message tonight, I'd just like to bring that a little bit home to us. You know, his, his name shall be called Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sin. You see, brothers and sisters, it doesn't say that he shall save his people in their sin. And it, it's, he's saving us from sin. And tonight, as, I, as we speak here tonight, all of us can take an inventory of our lives. What, has he, what sin has he saved you from? And one of the one of the biggest challenges we have in our day is the sin of anxiety, the sin of worry, the sin of doubt, and the sin of fear. These are all, this is a quadruplet that works together as one to destroy you. But we have not received the spirit of fear, but the spirit or the spirit of bondage, but the spirit of love and a sound mind that we think these things through, such as when you see some of these things unfold and you hear rumors of war and earthquakes in diverse places, go to the word of God. Does he say something about this? Yes, he does. Yes, he does, but we kind of, you know, what, 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 what's wrong with us today, I think, is this, that we get a little bit caught up because life is so good. Life is so good. I got a job. I can buy groceries. I got a house to live in. I mean, I, it's, it's just beautiful. The brothers and sisters, what you see out here, the wrath of God is going to be poured out on all this one day, and the wicked shall not escape. 
So here we have, here we, and, and, and also we have this, uh, the name Jesus means the Lord of salvation, and the name Emmanuel means God with us. So now we, we are entering in an era into which is about 2,000 years old now, where God, we hear these songs about God walking beside you and holding your hand. No, he wants to move in. He wants to take up residence within you. And the challenge with us today is, in other words, if he doesn't move in and take up residence within your spirit and dominate your life, you are not equipped to fight the battle that's ahead of you. You can't, you, you will not stand. And with that, let's turn to uh, Ephesians chapter 6. <clears throat> you know, there's a verse also in Thessalon, 1 Thessalonians 5.23, and I'm not going to turn to that, but it goes like this. It says, Paul says, my prayer is for you Thessalonians, and it's for us all he, also here, that you be whole in your spirit, soul, and body. You see that you be completely healed in your spirit, soul, and body. This is not, this is not coincidence that he listed it in that order. We, we here tonight, each one of us, we are a trinity of spirit, soul, and body. And, and, and when, Paul, when Paul wrote this, he says, my desire is that you be pure in the spirit, pure in the, in the soul, and pure in the body. So how does this work? And, and this is what, uh, what he talks about here in, uh, in Ephesians. The book of Ephesians talks about the first three chapters. You know, we, we kind of like to hang around in the first three chapters. It's divided into two sections. The first three chapters in the book of Ephesians, there's not one command in those three chapters. All that is is telling you your position in Christ that God has wrought for you. And we like to glory in that, and we have to, we should glory in that. But brothers and sisters, that is not the end. In, inserted in, inserted in, and this is what I think, we get caught up in, uh, and, and hear me out, I'm not, I'm not cutting down or degrading the new birth. It, it must be. The new birth must happen. Jesus said, you must be born again. Except you be born again, you, you cannot see the kingdom of God. In other words, if you have not experienced a new birth, you can look at someone who is, you can look at the outward expression of the kingdom of God that a man that's walking with God and you can't identify him as such. You don't know the difference because you're not guided by the spirit of God. And here, here we have the first three, but in, in the second chapter, we, we, we kind of get lost in when in when he talks about we're in heavenly places, we're sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, and, and you know that should lift us way up. But though our head be in the clouds, tonight our feet are still on the earth. Okay? So we need to live out this life. It's a living out of this life. It's it's a daily activities, and he doesn't let us hang with the first three chapters. He starts in in uh, he, do, he does remind us in chapter 2 that we are his workmanship. We are created in Christ Jesus unto good works. <clears throat> that we should walk in them. But then we start in chapter 4, and, we, and, and there is one commandment after another. And we say, we say, well, the New Testament doesn't have commandments. Well, you better study your scriptures. There's commandments. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. He says, if any man love me, he will keep my words, and my Father will love him, 
and we will come and make our abode in him. What does that sound like to you? If you, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask what you will and I will give it you. What does those things sound like to you? It sounds like obedience. There must be obedience to the word of God. What we understand, we must obey. And he'll give you more to understand. But this, this is, uh, and then we, we turn here to um, Ephesians chapter 6. But before I go in there, I'd like to, I'd like to pick up one verse in uh, chapter 5, verse 18. Now again, here, here are two commandments in this verse. It says, and be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit of God. Now, there are two commandments that we have, and when, when, the, when, the, when the Bible gives us a commandment. Now, that's, that's where the Word of God gives us a commandment to follow, but the choice is up to each individual here tonight whether to follow that commandment or not. You can choose. Now, what would you do Brothers and sisters, and, and I'm not, I'm, I'm saying this to any congregation. What would you do if, a, if on a Sunday morning or a Wednesday evening, one of your brothers would walk in here and you could easily and quickly tell he's got too much to drink? He's drunk. He can't walk straight. He can't talk. His words are slurred. What would you do? I am sure your mouth would fall open. You could not believe what you're seeing. But what about in someone that attends here year after year after year and he's not filled with the Spirit of God? This is not something that we just happens one time. Brothers and sisters, we, we, we ask God to fill us tomorrow morning if we live. Tonight, fill us with your Spirit. This is, this is a persistent perseverance that we, that he would fill us with your Spirit as we, as we read in Luke chapter 11. You know, this man here, he, he came knocking on his neighbor's door at midnight, and the neighbor was in bed, his children was in bed. He rose up and said, what do you want? My children are in bed. Don't knock so loud. He kept on knocking. He wouldn't give up, and he said, well, he, so, uh, he said, I, I just had somebody drive by here. My, my friend just came over, and I need three loaves of bread. What would you do if somebody come to your house at midnight and all they want is three loaves of bread. You'd probably give it kind of reluctantly, wouldn't you? But the same, the Bible tells us, he got up and he gave him the bread, not because he was his friend, but because of his importunity, his perseverance. He wouldn't stop knocking. He wouldn't give up. He wouldn't, he, he would keep on knocking. And because of that, the Bible tells us he gave him all that he wanted and then some. I have a hunch he gave him more than three loaves. But Jesus goes on down to explain that. And so is it. He said, if you are carnal and you can give your children good gifts, how much more will your father in heaven give you to those who ask to be filled with the spirit of God? He puts it in there. He said, ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. He didn't stop there. The next verse goes like this. Whoever asketh or continues to ask, he will continue to give. Whoever continues to seek, seeketh, he shall find. He will continue to find. If you continue to knock, he will continue to open up. This is a life, this is a life lived out for Christ. It is, it is living in the kingdom of God. 
It is the outward expression of the church that we, that we do these things. We continue in these things all the days of our life. That's what Jesus meant, enduring to the end. The enduring, when you read the word enduring to the end, it is keeping up in the word of God, keeping up in the most holy faith, keeping up in your prayer life, keeping up in these things. Don't hide. What are you hiding behind? You know, there's a lot of things we could hide behind. Some of the sisters could be hide behind that my husband's a minister. Or I could be hide behind that I go to so-and-so church. Or I could be hide, uh, I could put on here Amish, Mennonite, Beachy. I could hide all behind all those labels. You see how frail this little thing is? Will it stand the test of time? You know, when you, when we, uh, when we, uh, when we play hide and go seek, we, we always, uh, and I don't anymore, but we used to, uh, as little children playing hide and go seek, and every, we did it after dark usually, and there, there was always, uh, the one that was it, we would always find an object to hide behind. Whether it's a tree or a bush or a building or whatever. And so is it today. There's an object that we are trusting in that, that we are, that we will be hidden and kept from the wrath that is to come. And we'll get to that. But before we get to that, I'd like to just jump in here in, uh, chapter six of Ephesians a little bit. <clears throat> And I, I like the verse that we're going to jump in at uh, verse 10. <clears throat> verse 10 and 11, it says, Finally, my brethren, and I'm not reading anything new to you. I'm sure you've probably uh, memorized these verses sometime in your life. But there's a verse back here in uh, chapter 4, verse 20. He says, But you have not so learned Christ. I'm going to tell you, brothers and sisters, learning what the Bible says and learning Christ is two different things. I want to repeat that. Learning what the scriptures say and learning Christ is two different things. And you have the opportunity to learn Christ, to walk with him, to be yoked together with him. So when he walks, you walk. When he stops, you stop. You are yoked together. His yoke is not heavy. His burden is light. He tells us this. He wants you to be yoked together with him. Learn Christ. That's deeper than learning what the scriptures say. But you learn Christ by learning what the scriptures say. You get into the word of God. You don't uh, away with this, uh, away with this speed reading, this, uh, you know, when, when I, when I, I can tell you brothers and sisters, and I, I'm going to talk a little plainer tonight, but when I see a sister or a woman take off her head covering, I can tell you behind that, you'll find a husband that is not keeping up in the word of God. For the most part, you're going to find a husband that is not doing his job at home. So you and these, these things, and again, I, I sometimes tend to get a little hard on men, but brothers and sisters, Where's the time when, you know, uh, years ago, we read about uh, an altar call. We read about an altar call, and it was, it was almost, uh, uh, it was almost, and I realized many of those were probably not right. Many of those were maybe an act of whatever. But I, I want to tell you, the people were not ashamed to answer to the altar call. Today, when we go to churches and we give an altar call, it is, we almost have to water that thing down to get some response. 
Is it because we're that much better? I'm thinking we're getting complacent. We're thinking like, well, well, I know the scripture so well, but have you learned Christ? If we learn Christ, it will humble you and humble yourself in the sight of God. He will lift you up. Resist the devil. But what sometimes we are, we are too proud to cast our cares upon him. We are too proud to come and, come in and admit where we stand. But brothers and sisters, you can wallow around there and you're going to experience the wrath of God. You see, in, 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 in Romans chapter 2, I'm going to pick up a couple of verses there. It goes like this, verse 4 and 5. Or despisest thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance and longsuffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. But listen to what he says in verse 5. But after thy hardness and impenitent heart, treasureth up unto thyself wrath against the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God. You see, if we refuse to have the Spirit of God dwelling in us, and we're going to take this thing on our own, and we're going to, we're going to uh, barge our way through this life, and it's not about what's right or wrong, it's about me coming out on top. I'm going to tell you, as we do this, God is piling up the wrath reserving it for you. You see, we live in a time for the past 2,000 years, God has relatively been silent. As a husband kills his wife and daughters and children, God is silent. As a mother drowns her children in the bathtub, God is silent. As 70 million children are aborted, innocent blood, God is silent. But I'm going to tell you, brothers and sisters, he's not going to remain silent. And when he returns, it's not going to be some secret baby in the manger. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of your might. Here's another command. You can choose to be this way. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. You notice it doesn't say, be strong in the Lord in your own might. This is in the power of his might. When in verse 18, be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the spirit of God. This is where your power comes from to endure to the end of time, to the end of your days, the end of your allotted time. He says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. I'm going to tell you, brothers and sisters, that a lot of times we read these verses, at least I have in the past, I read these verses here that are going to follow, and we think like this. You know, I have, to, I have to know the Word of God. I have to get ready in case I'm pulled in front of a console that I can stand up for what's true. Or I can, and, and the, but Jesus tells us in those times, he says, don't plan what you're going to say. The Spirit of God in you will speak when the time has come. But here's a different deal. We're speaking about the battle of the soul. We're speaking about the battle of the soul. The battle of the, of the soul we're in, we, we talked about the Spirit of God. When the Spirit of God takes up residence and the, where the human spirit is, where you were born with, that, that spirit that has to have his own way, the first toys are all mine. You don't have to teach your children to, to be selfish that's born in them. Any mother want to, you okay with that? You believe that? 
How have you taught your child to ever be selfish, to grab the toy away from their their brother or sister? You don't need to do that. It's there. But but when the spirit we live in the in the last two thousand years, when when Jesus said He came to save us from our sins, He came to He came to dwell in us, not to replace the human spirit, but to take over that part of us, where the Holy Spirit will move in. And he takes dominance in that very inner core of who I am. When the Spirit of God takes control there, and yes, the the ugly spirit can rise up every now and then, but he is always dominated by the Spirit of God. And it's all what's there is what's in the what's in the battle of that thing is 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 the soul where the where we think uh, the thought pattern, the motives, the will. And the mind is all there. And that's what, that's what, uh, that's what we're battling against here. We're not wrestling against flesh and blood. We're not wrestling against another person. Shame to say sometimes we do this. We, we wrestle against people. That's not what this is talking about. This is wrestling against the, the, the possession of the souls. What the, what the, what the battle is about. And this puts us all in the same condition. If you're a born again believer here tonight, you are experiencing this, but I remember in my young days, I didn't have that battle. It was nothing to worry about. We just had a good time. But brothers and sisters, once you are born into the kingdom of God, the battle starts. And here it says we, we wrestle not against, we're, we're, what we're wrestling against is principalities and powers, rulers of darkness. We're wrestling against, uh, well, um, <clears throat> actually, I'd just like to read that to you in the, in the Amplified, it'll take a little time here to find it, maybe. Um, <clears throat> it goes like this. I'm going to read it to you in the Amplified. It says, well, I'm not too, whatever. In conclusion, be strong in the Lord, draw your strength from him, and be empowered through your union with him. And in the power of his boundless might, put on the full armor of God, for his precepts are like the splendid armor of a heavily armed soldier, so that you may be able successfully stand up against all the schemes and the strategies and the deceits of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, or contending only with physical opponents, but against the rulers, against powers, against the world forces of this present darkness, against spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly or supernatural places. Therefore, put on the complete armor of God so that you may be able to successfully resist and stand your ground in the evil day of danger. And having done everything that the crisis demands to stand firm in your place, fully prepared, immovable, victorious. So stand firm and hold your ground, having to tighten the wide band of truth, personal integrity, your moral courage, around your waist and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and upright heart and having strapped on your feet the gospel of peace in preparation to face the enemy with firm-footed stability and readiness produced by the good news. I love this. It says, above all, lift up 
the protective shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And we'll stop there. But you just think about this. This is, this is, we are not wallowing around in a playground, brothers and sisters. It's a battleground. We are in a war against the wiles of the devil. And, and, and it's way too often we as church people, we cower in a corner in defense all the time when is it expected to us to rise up and face it in offense. Jesus said the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. This does not mean that the church sits here and waits for and tries to hold up the gate so the devil doesn't push it down. We, it's the other way. We are pushing. We are winning. The church is winning because Christ is the head of the church. We are knocking down the gates of hell. With every soul that gets saved, the gates of hell are destroyed a little bit more. We go on the offense because the word of God is in us and we're not ashamed. We stand, and here he tells us, Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Stand, therefore. You know, the word stand keeps coming here. And I don't know what you picture when you think of the word stand. It's the opposite of falling. And I can tell you, brothers and sisters, if you're not standing on the firm foundation of Jesus Christ, you will fall for anything. Because, you're, because the Word of God, the Word of God is the only solid reference point from which you can measure everything. You see, when uh, we, we spoke just a little bit about a, a sister taking off her head covering. Brothers and sisters, we could approach her, and let's just say this happens here, and she would walk in one Sunday morning and her hair's hanging. Well, we can approach her and say, look, uh, sister, this is not going to work. You're going to have to put it on. So next Sunday morning, she has it on. Is the problem solved? No, it's not. There's a deeper issue. You see what I'm saying? You see what I'm saying here? The deeper problem is what caused you to take it off to start with? What are you not doing? What are you not? And I'm just using that as an example. But there's, and there's many other examples. And sisters, I'm not here to pick on you. However... Uh, yeah. But having done all to stand, it seems to me like uh, when the crisis, when the crisis of times come, and I'm not here telling you, oh, the bad times are coming, but brothers and sisters, just look up. Just look around. Don't look around too much. You get discouraged, but look up. Our, our redemption really does draw nigh. You know, he really is the time uh, that we're living in that it's unfolding exactly what he said would happen, and in many in many places in the world, and of course the central the central focus on our God is Israel. Why not? But we'll leave that. Any, anyhow, he says, "Stand therefore, having done." Are are you prepared right now to stand for the truth? Are you? And that and that again, that doesn't mean wait till somebody comes at you. Are you standing? When the battle of the mind is going on, are you taking up a stand? Are you able to go to the word of God and say, it is written? This is what it says. Or don't we know what it says? Maybe we have, you know, we find a lot of this thing that we, uh, you feel uh, one of of the favorite verses among those that you see are going by the wayside 
uh, is, is, don't judge me. I mean, that's more important. I think that's more popular today than John 3.16. I just had a brother, uh, I don't know if he's a brother or not, he told me that yesterday, you can't judge. I said, now wait a minute. I said, I'm not judging you. But I said, I have to be able to look at situations and make a judgment whether it's right or whether it's wrong. And using, using this as your reference point, you know, the, uh, the reference point never moves. Like your thermometer. Today it was probably 84, 85 degrees. How do you know that? You measured it from the zero. The zero never moves. And so is it with the word of God. It, it is stable. It is a firm foundation that you can trust will never move. Though heaven and earth shall pass away, my word shall remain. I mean what I said. Uh, what does it sound like when he told John in the book of Revelation, I am the Alpha and the Omega. I am the beginning and the end. I am the first and the last. He told Moses over and over after he gave him directions, I am the Lord your God. What does that sound like? In the book of Revelation, he's simply saying, I had the first word, I'll have the last word. It doesn't matter what your last name is, what color your skin is, or where you're from, or who you are, or what church you belong to. He will have the last word. Whether we come under his authority now, we will then. You see, the choice is all up to us. It, it, it's, and he says here, stand therefore. He says, uh, we put on, but the, pro- the problem is, I don't think we put into practice, verse 10 and 11, is where we fall into problems with, with uh, the rest of the chapter. We put, we put, we put that out. Uh, the, verse 10 and 11 is, is not happening. We're, we're not putting on the whole armor of God. You put, it says. Uh, you're able to stand and the wiles of the devil put all of this on. My complete word of God. That you can look at any situation, anything you encounter, any time of the day, and you can answer with the word of God. And then he says, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. I love that verse, and I think of, and I think of, uh, when I read that verse, I think of a, of, a, of a softball or a baseball game. And I think of that batter up there, and he is, he is making sure, he is making sure that the, that the sand is everything just right. He gets those spiked shoes just right in there so he's ready to swing, and, that, and his feet are planted firmly there. And so the pitcher does the same thing. He puts his foot on the mound, and it's, it, he makes so it's firmly there before he throws the pitch. And so, brothers and sisters, here it's, it's what it's telling, that we know what we stand on. That we know that the foundation upon which we stand, that we are able, that we are, uh, uh, you know, the, the Bible tells us that the wrath of God is going to be poured out on all those who dwell on earth. Now, I, I wrestled with that verse for a while, and I thought, well, I'm dwelling on earth, but it's really not that it's what, what he's saying here. The word dwell has a couple of different meanings. And one of the, one of the words is, it's a dwelling place. That's where I dwell. But the other thing, I can dwell on something. So if I'm dwelling, if I'm an earthly dweller, I'm earthly minded, I'm earthly, I'm thinking about business and work and money and all this thing. You see, we have, we, uh, we are called to love the Lord our God with all our heart, all our soul, all our mind, and all our strength. That's, that's the calling that we have. 
But we have at least three different loves that are competing against that. The first one is love of self. The second one is the love of money. And the third one is... Uh, hmm, I lost it now. But any, anyway, you just take those two, the love of money and the love of... So, well, I don't have a love of money. No, but I'm pursuing it. You know, and there's nothing wrong. God expects us to work. And, and it, I didn't think it would ever happen, but I see maybe the day coming we're going to have to tell some of our brothers, if you don't work, you're not going to eat. This is, this is where the society has gone to. Will that leak into our churches? It seems like a long way down the road because we have a very uh, strong uh, impressed upon our minds to work with all your might. And there's, it's, it's okay unless that is dominating your life and that's all you can think about, then you better sell what you have and follow Jesus. <clears throat> a good test of that is listen to the conversation when church services are over. Conversation in general, what are people talking about? You know, we just had a message today and the man spoke the truth of God's word and we rise up from our pews, we turn back to our neighbor, hey, you guys got a lot of work? Oh yeah, we're, we're busy, we're covered up. I mean, did you get your, so, get your corn planted? And there's nothing wrong with those questions. But I'm saying if that, if we have nothing to say about what just happened here in the sanctuary today, we may be losing out. Test your conversations. But here it says, above all, taking that shield of faith, and that's a little what I want to, I want to talk about that a little tonight. The shield of faith. You know, this, the shield of faith, what, it's, it's not about, Jesus said, it's not the amount of faith you have. It's not about how much you have. We often hear people say, I'd love to have the faith of Abraham. Well, Abraham was a faithful man. I have to say that, but he also messed up several times. But his general direction was to follow God, to listen to what God said and follow his ways. And therefore, therefore, uh, but the, but that shield of faith that we, wherewith we're able to quench all the fiery doubts of, darts of the devil. You know, we, we look at, we look at this thing and the question is tonight, not how much faith you have, but what is the object of your faith? Or who is the object of your faith? In whom do you trust? Or who do you hide behind? You know, we, 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 we can, we can take, uh, I can make the shield here. I can make the, this can be my bank account. It's growing pretty good. I have a good job. I mean, I'm adding to it every day. I should be secure. I heard one man tell me not too long ago. He told me, he said, uh, you're going to have to have $200,000 laid up in order to survive from 70 to 90. Well, brothers and sisters, I don't, I don't really hope to live in that, that era too much. But I, I wonder if that kind of a focus that we have, I believe I focus is wrong. Maybe you don't agree with me. And I'm not talking about being lackadaisy and complacent and all that. But you know, there's sometimes when we, we get the, uh, the object of our faith, it can be the label we have. Uh, we're Mennonites, we're Amish, we're Beachy, we're so-and-so. We go to this church. I go to church every Sunday. All those things. But I can tell you, brothers and sisters, these four walls won't hide you when the wrath of God is poured out on, on the earth. And I, I, I just want to ex exhort all of you tonight to take a look at your life. And I didn't come here to plant doubt in your mind, and I hate to say that term. I just come here... Uh, uh, we, we say that, we say this, well, you know, I, I don't want to, I don't want to make you afraid. I don't want to make you fear. But you know what? 
I trust that you're here tonight, that you fear God enough that you're afraid of what he'll do with you if you don't obey. He means what he says. Jesus Christ came in the, in the opening of the, of the new covenant, the Sermon on the Mount. There is one command in there after another. What are we doing with it? The quenching all the fiery darts of the devil. You know, the, and above all, we, we, the, but the object of our faith, we, we have to activate that to be Jesus Christ and him alone. Brothers and sisters, the Lord our God desire, desires to hide you behind Jesus Christ. That he can be the object that you trust in, in this life, when you take your last breath, be the, in the transition on into eternity, he will be King of Kings and Lord of Lords. He will not, he will never deviate from his promise. He is, he is always there 24 seven. The object of your faith that you can trust in and hide behind is the Lord Jesus Christ. And this will, this will make us take this little thing that we have manufactured and somehow we have raised us ourselves up and we, We've gotten used to hiding behind this little bit of uh, thing that we made that we, we talked about and we elevate so high it'll make us put this away and realize that it's nothing and we hide behind the Lord Jesus Christ. That is where God desires to hide you. In Him. And we, we, can, we can read about that. We'll come to that in a little bit. You know, what would you say... At the church at Smyrna, in the book of Revelations, this is what God told them, that he was, uh, he was pleased with them. Uh, I'm just going to read this a little bit to you. In chapter 2 of Revelations, it goes like this. <clears throat> Verse 8, it goes like this. And to the angel of the church of Smyrna write, These things saith the first and the last, which was dead and is alive. I know thy works. In other words... And I, and I can tell you that the Lord Jesus Christ can look into this room tonight. And he can, he can tell every one of us, I know thy works. I know what you're thinking. I know the motives of your heart. And you know, we, we are absolutely unable to argue with that. I know where you stand. I know that you've never overcome the sin of anger. I know that you're wallowing around the sin of worry and doubt and fear and anxiety. And I know that when, that when you fall into those things, you turn to some kind of a pill to help you get over it, when he is there as your counselor and your physician. Brothers and sisters, do we really trust in him? Are you really tonight hiding in Christ? It's a challenge I leave with all of us and me, myself, going home tonight. This is for every individual that's here tonight with a sound mind. Where are you? And all you need to do is admit to God where you are. He already knows, but he's waiting for you to admit it. Don't trust in anything, any kind of a protection or shield or anything that you manufactured. It's not going to hold up until the end. You will crumble. You will fold. What would you do if he would tell the church what he told the church at Smyrna? He said, I know thy works. I know the tribulation and the power, but thou art rich. 
I know the blasphemy of them which say they are Jews and are not, but are the synagogue of Satan. The next verse is what I want you to listen to. Fear none of these things which thou shalt suffer. You see, you're going to suffer this. Not only does he stop there, behold, the devil shall cast you into prison and that you may be tried. And you shall have tribulation ten days. Here's the encouragement. And I ask you, would this encourage you? He says, here's the encouragement. Be thou faithful unto death. In other words, he's saying, and I will give thee the crown of life. He says, I want you to be faithful until those who put you in prison for ten days. You shall suffer there, and then they shall kill you. Be faithful until then. What would that do to your heart? You see, we sit here tonight, we could easily understand, and he would say, be faithful until I deliver you out of the hands of Satan. No. Be faithful until they kill you. What does that do to your heart? That depends on who you're trusting in. That depends on what you're hiding behind tonight. Brothers and sisters, if, there's, if, if you have manufactured anything like this, that you're trying to hide behind, you're trying to hide from the wrath of God, and you hope this holds out until the end, you will fail. You're not going to make it. Your boat will never reach the other side. And when you close your eyes in death, you will find yourself looking up from the burning coals of hell. You don't want that. Are you ready? Are you ready to endure to the end? And I, and I don't want to paint a picture here tonight that you're going to have this long suffering coming, but what if God calls you tonight? What if your number comes up tonight? What's going to happen on the other side? You see, he goes like this, and, and, and this is what he says. <clears throat> Again, the question is what, is, what is, what has he saved you from? And I'm going to close tonight with Colossians chapter 3, verse 1, 1 to 3. Um, and this is, I want, to, I want to tell you very clearly. He says, and this is again, I'm not reading you anything that you don't know. He says, if you then, the if here does not, does not mean since. It does, it, but the if here is on your and my side. It's not on the Lord's side. If you then... Be risen with Christ. You know, you notice he doesn't say, if you then are born again. If you're saying you're born again. No. If you have experienced that you have risen with Christ. That the power of his resurrection is being experienced in your life. If this is the case, then seek those things. Continue to seek those things which are above. Don't waddle around in your circumstances. I don't know you tonight. I don't know what you're going through. It might be a circumstance that you're down and out about something. I tell you, what are you doing under that circumstance? Raise above. Raise up with Christ. Get your focus up from here. This is only temporary. He says here, this, this Christ that is sitting at the right hand of God in the seat of authority. He is there today interceding for your transgressions. You see, you need, you are in need of the blood of Christ 
You are in need of the shed blood of Jesus Christ after your new birth more than you were before your new birth. If that makes sense. Because I can tell you if, if I live to, if I live and I have my, if I have my, uh, right mind all the way to the end and I can think, I can tell you brothers and sisters, the only thing that I can trust in for that transition to be right is the object of Jesus Christ. And his death and resurrection is the only thing that will carry me safely to the other side. I can't lay there and think, oh, I, I, I built this empire. I got a lot of money to give to my children. I, I was faithful to the end. I went to church every Sunday. All those things are this right here. Here again, we have commandments. Set your affections on things above, not on things of the earth. Set your affections, the things, your very, uh, your very compassion, your passion to drive, your motive, the things that make you go, set that affection on things above. Lift up, lift up your eyes. Your redemption draweth nigh. And then he goes here in verse three, for you are dead. And your life is hid with Christ in God. And this is the verse I want to close with. God has used Jesus Christ to hide you from his wrath. And we escape the hour of tribulation. We escape the wrath of God. But brothers and sisters, it's not enough to just claim that verse. We must live out and obey what he tells us to do. In our daily lives, in the little things, this, this is, this is, and I'm learning this more and more as, as we learn Christ. This doesn't happen overnight. It doesn't happen all at once. I believe in the conversion happens when you confess your sins, you, you receive the Lord Jesus Christ into your heart. I believe that, but that is only the beginning of the Christian life that you now are called to walk therein. And if you don't continue to walk, there's nothing like, there's nothing like a neutral state in this. Neutral, you cannot be. If you think that, you, you think you can just, uh, and I can tell you brothers and sisters, that we have brothers and sisters in for, be, that went before us that waded through blood to get to heaven. You think that we're just going to ride on the beds of ease right on into glory. That's not how it works. I pray if God has not tested you, that he will test you. That you are tested beyond that you, that you are tested to the point, maybe it's happened to you already, but you are tested to the point that you fall on your face before God and there are no words come out of your mouth. Because the thing that you face is way bigger than you are. I hope God leads you through that if he hasn't already. This is where he teaches you to learn Christ. It's beyond learning what the scriptures say. You learn to walk with him. You are yoked together with him. And reckon that, that your spirit, that the spirit that you were born with, verse 3, reckon that to be dead and that your life is hid with Christ in God. That God has taken Christ, and when he looks at you, he looks at you as a brother or a sister, as a child of God, and he, and he sees 
the Son of God. This is where he wants to see, this is what he wants to see when he looks at you. And by this power that now dwelleth in you, you can go on where it says, mortify therefore the members which are upon the earth. You know, brothers and sisters, there's a verse in, uh, in Romans 8 that, that almost, uh, it's almost exactly what God told Eve. He told her that day that in, the, he told Adam in the, there's a tree here in the midst of the garden. In the day that you eat thereof, you shall die. Did God mean what he said? This means yes and this means no. Did he mean what he said? Did it happen what he said? It happened. You know, brothers and sisters, and then we go on, and, and I, I'm going to give you a little bit of a challenge. You know, the, the last verse in Genesis chapter 2, verse 27, goes like this. Adam and Eve, they were both naked, and they were not ashamed. Closes the chapter out. Inside that, that glory of God where they lived, but then verse 3 starts out, and the serpent came, and the devil came in the, in the, in the likeness of a serpent. Now all the way over, to uh, not all the way, but in Genesis chapter 3, verse 7, now they're hiding behind the tree. They don't have any clothes on again, but they're hiding behind the tree, attempting to cover themselves, making this little thing here, uh, uh, getting behind the trees. God's coming, and I, I'm, I'm putting this uh, fig leaves over my life, and I'm trying to hide all this stuff. Brothers and sisters, how foolish can we be? This almighty God that sees in the very depth of your heart and in the cool of the day, he comes and he asks Adam a question. And I can tell you when he asked Adam, where art thou? Where art thou? He did not ask him that because he didn't know where he was. But he wanted, all he wanted from Adam is to draw from him to admit where he is. But what happened? Deflection. That woman you gave. Did you eat, Adam? Oh, that woman you gave me. Directly the woman's fault, indirectly your fault, God. This happens even today. We sin. Oh, but yeah, but I just talked to a brother the other day, you know, and, and I, 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 I listened to him over the phone, and, and, and his son is falling into sin, but as far as I can get out of him, it's all because of the other family's children. Wait a minute. Something's not quite clicking right here. Something doesn't sound right here, you know? And, 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 and unless we take, we take, uh, we take, you know, I, I thought about this already. Jesus took the blame upon himself and forgave. Took upon him the sin, my sin and your sin, who knew no sin and forgave. Are we natured that way? Even though I have no fault in it, can I say I'll carry the blame and forgive? Wow. Brothers and sisters, I want to leave it there. I, I, want to try, I want to trust tonight. If you're not hidden behind Christ tonight when you leave here, I, I, I beg you, don't go to sleep that way and think that all is well. I trust that God nudges you that the Holy Spirit nudges you, that if you need to take care of something, take care of it. We live in times, and, and again, uh, I don't know. I, I really, in all, in, all, uh, in all truth, I don't believe that I'll be here when all this really unfolds. I don't think it's going to happen tomorrow. And now I sound like a, a, but you know, but there's things have to happen yet. 
And they're happening right in front of us. And I'm not here to predicting when and all this, and that's not, that's not for me to know. But let's uh, not, not uh, I'm not advising that you keep up with all the news, but don't put your head in the sand either. Look around you. Things are happening. You know, when, uh, uh, I, I thought that thing when he said that, the, like when the Son of Man returneth, so, so will it be like it was in the days of Noah and the days of Lot. And I'm, I'm like, I, I always thought about the days of Lot. You know, this whole thing about homosexuality and lesbian and gay was kind of all out there. And we hardly, when I was growing up in my years, we didn't even know the words. We didn't even know anything about it. But today this, is, this movement is, is taking charge. Brothers and sisters, those of you here tonight with young children, there's two things you're going to have to impress on the hearts and minds of those young children. That is the first ten words in the Bible. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. No argument, no debate. That's how it is. It's not all about this all other thing that could have happened. What have, and the other thing, he created them, male and female. Two genders. Get this impressed in the minds and hearts of your children because society is pushing on those little second graders to, to this whole thing of, uh, yeah, I'll leave it. it, it it's, it's, it's confusion to the max. And, and uh, the last I heard, California has 17 genders that are labeled, and they're making more. You notice this thing about LGTQ+, something like that. I like the Q in there. That means queer is what it's there for. And then the plus is that we're going to add more as time goes on. It's amazing the terms that we're hearing today. Don't get caught up into that. Go back again. Unless you're grounded in the word of God, you will fall for the lies. <clears throat> Let's pray and I'll turn the time back over to Brother Terrell. Father in heaven, tonight I just bless you for who you are in Though you are furious against the wicked one, you are good. The Lord is good. You have given us, uh, you have sent your only begotten Son here on earth to be crucified, to take upon himself the sin that belonged to all of us. You've paid the debt, Father, and you've made it known that we are able to call you Father tonight. We are not ashamed because you're, we are your brethren. Father, we love you. We thank you for who you are. And tonight I just pray for this congregation here at Salem. Lord, I just pray that you would raise up men that are on fire for the Lord, that are burning with your, with the Spirit of God, that are burning with the desire to read, that have an appetite and a hunger and thirst for the Word of God, and that, Lord, that uh, it would just continue to grow on into this generation and into the next and into the next. It is your desire. Lord, we thank you for what you have done in our lives, and yet we know there is more. So, God, we thank you. We bless you for who you are, for all glory, all power, all dominion, all majesty belongeth to thee and thee alone. In Jesus' name, amen.